Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Panado. And so we have the Old Testament sanctuary in Daniel chapter 8. The sanctuary is a central theme in the book of Daniel. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. The sanctuary pops up in the second verse of the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 2. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the sanctuary or from the temple. The temple pops up, the second verse. It's there in Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 5 and verse 2. The sanctuary pops up again. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 2, while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the sanctuary or the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, In in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, we see Daniel and he's praying towards the west. He's praying towards Jerusalem. He's praying towards the temple. The temple is a central theme in the book of Daniel. And here in Daniel chapter 8, we've even read how the little horn casts down the sanctuary from heaven and casts truth down to the ground. Daniel has a concern for the sanctuary. The sanctuary will pop up again in Daniel chapter 9, and we'll see those verses here in a little bit. But the sanctuary is a central theme in the book of Daniel. Daniel had a concern for the sanctuary because, you see, the sanctuary was the center of of governmental and religious life in Israel. If the sanctuary was doing well, everything else in Jewish life would be well. We have our buildings here in this country that are symbols of our prosperity. And so going back again to history, the War of 1812, one of the first things the British did when they marched through Washington, D.C. was burn down the White House as a symbol you know, that they were, you know, that, that's it. You know, they're coming, they're taking over. The events of 9-11 were devastating, not just because of the loss of life, but because of the buildings, symbols that were attacked, symbols of our prosperity, our security, and our strength were destroyed. So in, so in the Old Testament time, the sanctuary was the center of governmental and religious life in Israel. If the sanctuary was doing well, everything else in Jewish life would be well. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 25. Now the sanctuary had several functions and several purposes. One of them we find, and probably the primary one, we find here in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8. Then have them make me a sanctuary, God says, so that I may dwell among them. And so as we're considering the sanctuary, one of the main purposes of the sanctuary was primarily for the presence of God, a place where God could reside, where his power, his glory, and his majesty were manifested. And when you read the Old Testament, you see that that was the Shekinah glory. That was the visible presence of God that was there among his people. The sanctuary, the purpose of the sanctuary was primarily where we could behold God's power and His glory and His majesty. In Psalm chapter 63 and verse 2, the psalmist says, In your sanctuary I can behold your power and your glory. The sanctuary was also a place for worship. 
Psalm 134 and verse 2. Lift up your hands, the Bible says, in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. The sanctuary is a place for worship. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Can you imagine the worship that would take place in the temple? You remember the size of the temple. I've shared this with you. I think the whole sanctuary and then the temple complex afterwards, if I'm not mistaken, Oh, I'm not good with numbers. I'll just throw out this number, but don't fact check me. It was like, I think the, the, the total acreage was like 36 acres where the Temple Mount was on. Imagine how many people could fit in there. They say upwards of, of 100,000 people could be there and could worship at that temple when they would gather. Imagine what a worship service would be like at that time. You, know, you have hundreds of Levites that were dedicated to, to music and dedicated just to singing. And they would be on one side of, of the temple singing. And then you have a, another group of, of hundreds of Levites singing on the other side. And then you have another section with, with instruments and trumpets playing their instruments. It's unbelievable. You, you can't even imagine it. The, the sanctuary was a place for God's presence. The sanctuary was a place where we could behold His power and glory. The sanctuary was a place where we could come and we could worship Him. The sanctuary was also a place of justice. The sanctuary is where all the wrongs would be made right. Have you ever experienced injustice? It happens. Whether the injustice is small, whether the injustice is big, you will experience injustice in this world. And, and you, you don't always receive justice. Sometimes you just have to live with injustice. But the Bible tells us that it's in the sanctuary where all wrongs will be made right. It is in the sanctuary where help would come from to the people of God. The sanctuary was a place of learning and meditation. The sanctuary was the place where God rules. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 77 and verse 13. The Bible here tells us, Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. So among all these things, the sanctuary was a place where we could see how God works. And how he deals with injustice, how he deals with wrongs, how he deals with sin, how he forgives sins, how he atones for all these things, how he brings us to himself. The Bible says, your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Sanctuary is a theme in the book of Daniel, a central theme in the book of Daniel. Not only is there a literal aspect to the sanctuary in the Bible, but there is also a cosmic dimension to the sanctuary. If you turn to Exodus chapter 25, Exodus chapter 25 and verse 9, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the, like the what? Like the pattern. Well, where, where did God get that pattern from? Where did he get those blueprints from? Verse 40, again, it, it emphasizes the same truth. He see, see that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mount. And you're right, and that's why the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews, he says, we have a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty where? In heaven. And who serves in the sanctuary where? In heaven. 
the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. I think uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ came as a high priest, he went through the greater and the more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. He entered into the most holy place. And so as we study the sanctuary in the Bible, we see this cosmic dimension to the sanctuary. We're not simply talking about a building here on this earth, but we're talking about a building that is a reflection. It is a, it is a pattern. It is an image of the building in heaven, of a sanctuary in heaven, of the tabernacle in heaven. That's why the book of Revelation is saturated with imagery from the sanctuary. Before every major vision in the book of Revelation, there is first given to us a glimpse of the sanctuary. Before the seven churches, the vision of the seven churches, where does John see Jesus walking? Among the seven candlesticks. Where is that? In the sanctuary. Uh, Before the the trumpets blow, uh, John sees an angel offering incense in front of an altar, speaking to us of the sanctuary. Um, uh, we read it in, Re- in Revelation chapter 11 as well. Don't measure the outer court, a picture of the sanctuary. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19. Another image of the sanctuary. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19. It says, Then God's temple, where? In heaven, in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. The seven last plagues come out of the sanctuary. The movement in the book of Revelation, in the sanctuary, and the images that you see in the sanctuary, start from the outside and they move inside. In other words, as time progresses, and that's why in the plagues we see see the plagues and the vials, they come out of here, out of the most holy place. We see the Ark of the Covenant. It's It's from where God will come from. There's this movement from the outside to the inside of the sanctuary. And then finally, in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3, the book of Revelation ends with these words. It says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be their God. The sanctuary is a central theme in the book of Daniel. The sanctuary, my friends, is the great center of, of the universe. The heavenly sanctuary is the White House, is the Capitol building, is the Supreme Court, is the National Cathedral, is all of those in one building. Now, have you ever been there? Those buildings are amazing if you've been there. If you walked inside the Capitol and you've seen that rotunda, it's just incredible. I mean, even state capitals are impressive, aren't they? When you walk in there, these buildings are, 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 are amazing and they're impressive and they, they inspire awe. I mean, just, just, look at, uh, just look at this one here. Just look at this one here. Isn't that amazing? St. Peter's Basilica. Isn't that amazing? Imagine, though, what the temple in heaven looks like. Imagine what heaven is like. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I has not seen. And this is and this, and this is that this is amazing. And this is right the seat of the little horn, right? That's the center of his power. This thing is amazing. Imagine what heaven is like. The apostle Paul says, "Eye has not seen." My friends, heaven is real. God is real. God's temple in heaven is a real place. And what happens in heaven is affecting us here on this earth. And so I pray, O oh God, this morning, give us a glimpse of your temple. 
Lift our eyes from this world and from everything that we see here this morning. Raise our eyes and give us a glimpse of your temple and what's happening there. And that's why the little horns war in Daniel chapter 8 against the temple and against the sanctuary is so grievous. In Daniel chapter 8 and verse 10, he says that he goes up into heaven, the little horn goes up into heaven symbolically, and he casts the sanctuary down to the earth. His actions parallel those of the actions of Satan. In Isaiah chapter 14, Lucifer says, I will ascend and I will place my throne above the stars of God. Lucifer says, I will enter the mount of assembly. The mount of the congregation, that's the mount where the temple in heaven is. He says, I will, I will enter the mount of the assembly. And if Satan could, he would tear God from the throne. But that's exactly what the little horn is doing. Following in the footsteps of Satan, casting down the sanctuary of God, casting down the center of the universe. And so Daniel is seeing all this in vision in Daniel chapter 8. But the truth is that Daniel is living the desolation of the sanctuary in person. In Daniel's day, the sanctuary is literally in ruins. And Daniel longs for the restoration of the sanctuary for the city. In Jeremiah chapter 29, it's told that they would be exiled for how many years? Seventy years they would be exiled. But here in Daniel chapter 8, he's shown a vision that the sanctuary will be desecrated and desolated for 2,300 evenings and mornings. Or in other words, 2,300 days, or again, 2,300 years. And this worries him. In Daniel chapter 8 and verse 27, after Daniel receives this vision, he says, I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. And I was worn out and I lay exhausted for several days. You see, Daniel has a concern for the sanctuary of God. And he understands that they will be, the sanctuary will be desolated for 70 years, but then he receives this vision that the sanctuary will be downtrodden for 2,300 years. What's that all about? And so in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel prays for the temple. In Daniel chapter 9 and, and verses 1 through, through 19, we see the prayer of Daniel for the temple. In verse 3, he says, So I turned to the Lord God, and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth, and I prayed to the Lord. Verse 17, Now God, hear the prayers and the petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate... What? Sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. Daniel has this concern for the temple and he's worried. The prophecy said 70 years, and now he sees a vision that it's going to be 2,300 years of desolation. In Daniel chapter 9, he's given a further explanation of Daniel chapter 8, specifically when the 2,300 days would begin or the 2,300 years would begin. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, we have a key word here that says to anoint the most holy. It connects it back to Daniel chapter 8 where it says then the sanctuary will be cleansed or, or, um, or restored. It connects it there. But as Daniel receives this explanation in Daniel chapter 9, 
he reads this other thing in verse 26. He says, it will be rebuilt. But then in verse 26, it says, someone would come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. In verse 27, it says that the sacrifice and the offering would be put to an end. And then it says an abomination that causes desolation would come and would take place. Daniel gives no further comment or explanation about this vision. That's where, that's where it ends. He doesn't understand. He prays in Daniel chapter 10. And in Daniel chapter 10, he's given a vision of the cosmic battle between good and evil. And it's revealed to him the forces that are fighting against God's people. The prince of Persia, you remember that? And the prince of, of Greece. Demonic spirits that were, uh, that were obstructing the work of God. But Daniel receives no further comment or explanation about this vision, about the sanctuary. And so, how do we make sense of Daniel chapter 8 and 9? If Daniel didn't even understand it, how can we make sense of something like this? Well, briefly, first of all, when we go back to Daniel chapter 8, we have to start with the identification of the sanctuary. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 8, in verse 10 and 11. Is the sanctuary spoken of here, the earthly sanctuary, or is it the heavenly sanctuary? When we read Daniel chapter 8, verses 10, it tells us that the little horn grows until it reaches where? Heaven. Heaven. And it throws some of the starry host down to the earth. Verse 11. It sets itself up. It takes away the daily sacrifice. And his sanctuary was thrown down. The context of Daniel chapter 8 is not speaking to us of the literal sanctuary, of the earthly sanctuary. But the, but the context of Daniel chapter 8 is speaking to us of the heavenly sanctuary. And remember, we're speaking about the little horn here. When did the little horn rise to power? In the day of Daniel? No, when? Yeah, later on. Uh, the sanctuary has already been destroyed by the Romans. There is no earthly sanctuary here. We're speaking about the little horn, which, which takes place in the future. And it's attacking the sanctuary in heaven. You see, the scope of Daniel chapter 8 is much broader than a literal sanctuary here on earth. It's cosmic in nature. And so we're speaking about the little horn during, during the 500s. And we spoke in our, in our last uh, sermon together of how during this era, the church's reign, instead of truth shining forth, truth was cast down to the ground. During this era, and it's no coincidence and it's no accident that we call it the Dark Ages, because ignorance of all sort um, held sway during that time. Not just biblical ignorance, but scientific ignorance as well. Remember Galileo? Simple observation. There was ignorance all over. Every form of truth was neglected during this time because every form of truth is a reflection of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. The little horn attacking all forms of truth, scientific truth, spiritual truth. And instead of our eyes being directed toward heaven and toward our high priest in heaven, as Hebrew calls us to and Paul calls us to, during that time, 
a human priesthood was instituted. A priesthood which we still have today. And people still go today to have their sins confessed to priests. Whereas the Bible tells us Jesus is our high priest. And there are still millions of people who are in this darkness. And the Bible is calling them to come out in Revelation chapter 18. Come out from among them. Daniel chapter 8, my friends, is indicating that when the 2300 evenings and mornings would be over, the heavenly sanctuary would no longer be hidden from view. It would no longer be trodden down, but it would be restored to its place. It would be cleansed, indicating that the judgment of the world would begin. The same judgment that we see in Daniel chapter 7 of books being opened and the court being seated. And we believe that the 2300 evenings and mornings ended in the year 1844. And since that time, the Bible is telling us that the judgment that took place in a literal and in a local setting in ancient Israel is now being conducted on a global and a universal way. That's why Revelation 11, he sees heaven opened and the Ark of the Covenant That's why in Revelation 14, 7, in the three angels' message, it says, Fear God and worship Him because the hour of His judgment has come. And that's why I pray and I say, God, lift our eyes from this earth because we go about our our day and and how, how often do we take time to think about what's happening in heaven? And that there's a sanctuary, or there's a judgment taking place right now in heaven, in the heavenly sanctuary. God is wrapping things up here in this world. The next great event will be the second coming of Jesus. How often do we take time to think about that? You see the little horn blinding our eyes, casting the sanctuary down, leaving us in darkness, that we don't take time to think about these things. So what is the message of Daniel chapter 8, my friends? The message of Daniel chapter 8 is a concern and a focus on the heavenly sanctuary and the events that are taking place there right now. Because what's happening there right now is affecting us here on this earth. This prophecy ended in 1844. We are now living in the time of this world's judgment. God is wrapping things up. And because He is wrapping things up, He is asking us now, it's our opportunity to seek forgiveness. To seek for forgiveness and repentance from all our rebellion. Where are those areas in our life where we have rebelled against the Lord? Now is the time Jesus is offering us an opportunity to find forgiveness for our rebellion. Will we take advantage of that opportunity? This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with them at www.jxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.